In Matthew 12, we find the Pharisees continuing their obsession by trying to trick Jesus into mistakes, asking for a sign to prove he is in fact the Messiah. However, Jesus takes this opportunity to flip the conversation by revealing exactly where he will be heading to complete his mission in the three days between crucifixion and resurrection stating the only sign offered can be found in the account of Jonah being three days in the belly of the fish, and so Jesus will be three days in the heart of the earth. Since scripture reveals this is where the dead and fallen angels are at the time of this conversation, we will continue our series by next showing where the dead can be found now, as well as in the days that the Son of God walked the earth. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Hello, this is Mark Russick, and you're listening to The Russick Outlook. Well, welcome, and today we're going to be visiting a very interesting topic. It's where was Jesus in the three days between crucifixion and resurrection? Um, as, As many people know, the cornerstone of the Christian faith is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, you know, uh, Christians often celebrate Good Friday, you know, the day he was crucified and died, and on Sunday, the day he rose from the dead. Well, a lot happened between uh, Friday and Sunday, three days. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, not much has been taught about what he did and where he went and why he did it, Um, but it's, it's really, it's a focal point of the faith. So I wanted to dig into the heart of the matter. This is the uh, a small section, a second part in a three-part series. Uh, the first part, we laid out the foundation of the resurrection, the significance of that, mentioning what the Apostle Paul says, that basically uh, without the resurrection, there is no, there is no Christian faith. There is, there is no reason to move further. So either Jesus rose from the dead or he didn't, and he kind of put it, put it, put, 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 put it pretty bluntly. Um, so we, we covered that, we covered the evidence for that, and, uh, and then we're following this up now where uh, I'm, I'm, I'm titling this, Did Jesus Visit the Dead? And if so, where are they? And the reason I say that is he alludes himself uh, to, he compares himself to um, uh, Jonah being in the belly of the fish for three days. He said, the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days. Uh, so when we look at the heart of the earth, you'll, you're going to find in Scripture that that is the destination for many of the dead, uh, many of the uh, uh, fallen angels, of, of Lucifer's angels, as well as um, dead people, both people of faith and, and people uh, who I would classify as non-believers or sinners. So I wanted to take a look and, and see exactly you know where that is, how that's laid out, and then we're going to conclude in the final section exactly what Jesus did and why. So this is kind of another foundation of you, if you will, of where is the dead. And, and if you think about it, you know, a lot of people, it's of interest. If you look around the world today, you know, the people are having their palms read or they're doing seances or they're, you know, they're, they're kind of, you know, seeking out people who can talk to the dead and reach to the dead. Um, and I don't personally want to be around any of those people, but what I'm, what I'm getting at is it's a, it's a natural curiosity to find out because most people believe that there's life after death. Um, and even if they don't, they know it's in the back of their mind as a possibility. So, 
uh, we're, we're, we're going to see exactly what Scripture says, what Jesus says about uh, where these people are today. So listen, if you like subjects like this, um, please hit the subscribe button. There's a, a nice graphical element on your screen right now. If you're watching on video, please hit the like button, the subscribe button. If you're on YouTube, if you could subscribe to us, it really helps get the information out. And that's ultimately what we're about. We're trying to, we, me, my, me in the third person, uh, we're trying to get the truth to the heart of the matter concerning um, Jesus, concerning the validity of scriptures, concerning uh, the geopolitical arena today, what's happening in the world today. Does some of that line up with what we see uh, prophetically? Uh, and, and I look at resources both in the Bible and outside of the Bible. Eyewitness testimonies, uh, recorded acts, um, what not, not only literature has to say, but there's things that have been passed on over generations. There's a lot of great information that we can glean concerning the truth, because that's ultimately what we're about. So again, if these are topics that interest you, um, you know, things like creation versus evolution, uh, can we really trust the Bible? How do we, how do we uh, um, validate uh, uh, prophecy? How, how can we, um, you know, be sure when that was written? Uh, was it written before these things came to pass? Things like that. Um, and, I, you know, I'll flip the subjects around. Look at science, modern technology. Um, does the Bible have anything to say about transhumanism, artificial intelligence, gene editing? Um, what about the central banks, the financial systems that are going on around? What about cloud, uh, um, cloud technology? How does, can that impact things? So there's a whole host of areas we like to go at. Uh, so again, if, you, if this is of interest to you, please hit the like or, like or subscribe button. But enough of that. I want to really get into where was Jesus in these three days and, and did he in fact visit the dead? And if so, where are they? So let's, let's get rolling. Um, if you're watching this on video, I'm, I'm kind of laying out wh where the places are. Um, traditionally, we know of what we call heaven and hell, either a paradise up or a, uh, a, an eternal destination down below that you don't want to be in. But there's really a lot more to it than that. So if again, if you're watching on video and if you're not, if you're listening to a podcast, I'm going to describe it as best as possible. Um, and, and I have the, the, the earth, the top of the, uh, or what I would say, the atmosphere above the earth. Um, no, I'm sorry. Let, let's just say the earth, the ground. And looking at the cross and, and the tomb, the empty tomb. So that's, you know, a, kind of our focal point because this is what we're talk, talking about, where, where Jesus was. So below the earth, or in the earth, I should say, there is something called Sheol Hades, and I'm going to get to that uh, in, in a couple of minutes. But it, there's what would be called the paradise or the life section and the death section. This is for people uh, specifically prior to the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, that this is where they went. Uh, this is a temporary abode, but it's if, if you are a non-believer, it's, it's a place of torment. And if you are a man or woman of faith, uh, then it's a place that some would call, some have in the Bible calls paradise. And in that, it's a, it, there's a, um, a divide. It's called the Great Gulf. So that's one section. Then you have another section called the Abyss or Tartarus, and I'll explain that in a few minutes. And that's where today 
where the fallen angels have gone. These are angels that sinned before the flood, what caused the flood, um, without getting too much into it. These are the angels who had sex and procreated with women and, and uh, produced offspring, which, which, which was their mission. Uh, and, and the Lord just basically had, had enough and put those angels responsible into uh, a different section of the earth. And again, it's called the abyss or Tartarus. And there's scriptures to, to back this up. This is not something I'm just trying to wing. Then there's another section where we would traditionally call hell, which is the lake of fire. Then there's uh, heaven, which I have uh, symbolically placed here as, as a throne and then another green tree up there in what's called the third heaven, which would be where we would go today for believers in Jesus. In between there is the second heaven. The first heaven you would think of is the sun, the moon, the stars, what you see today. Um, but we also know in Ephesians 6.12, there are spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. That's the second heaven. And I have two arrows pointing back and forth to give that differentiation between the third and the second heaven. Uh, Job 1.6, where Satan uh, basically is allowed to enter the third heaven and, and engage in um, debate, I should say, for Job. Um, I point Job 1.16. There's plenty of examples in Job and others. And I also point out Daniel 10.13 for people who know when Daniel was praying for the 21 days and the uh, uh, the angel Gabriel appeared to him and said, your prayers were heard, but I had to fight through the prince of Persia to get here. It took him 21 days. So that's just an example. <clears throat> so again, there's Sheol Hades, the abyss that's in the earth. <clears throat> Outside of the earth is the lake of fire, or what you might know as hell, and then the third heaven. And then in between there are spiritual forces. <clears throat> Excuse me, pardon me while I take a drink. So, with that being said, let me go to where are the dead now. Now, the Old Testament, the world of the dead is called Sheol 65 times. It's translated as grave, hell, or death. Uh, this is not the, la the pit or the lake of fire. It's something different. New Testament, now we're in the Greek, it's called Hades. It's mentioned 42 times. Both of these words refer to the same temporary place, whereas hell is a permanent abode of um, punishment. Then there's Tartarus. This is referred to only once in 2 Peter 2.4. It's defined by biblical scholars as the deepest abyss of Hades. This too is probably temporary. Um, if, if, you want, if you want to go back to your Greek mythology, you can think of Hades, uh, that, that's that's kind of what where where that is uh, the word Gehenna is the New Testament word for the permanent place of the dead this was used by Jesus 11 different times and once in James 3 6 it refers to the valley of Hinnom which is just outside of Jerusalem uh, where waste was dumped and it was burning all the time 24 7 burning the part of the confusion I think is that the King James which is what a lot of the people will be referring to all of these words and terms of what I'm talking about, Gehenna, Tartarus, Hades, Sheol, it's always called hell. So it never really separates it. It's a kind of a blanket translation, so it's not really accurate. I always advocate, too, if you're studying a topic, if you can look at some different translations, it's always good to look at the Hebrew if you're studying the Old Testament, perhaps the Greek, the New Testament, 
and and some some different versions. But they're all you know very close. But in this instance, um, I, I I really think the King James and and some of the others, the NIV, just miss it. So I want to point out some Old Testament scriptures that reference Sheol. In Proverbs 9.18, it's called a place where the dead exist. 86.13 of the book of Psalms, a place for the soul. Psalms 9.17, a place for the wicked and those who forget God. Uh, Genesis 44.29, a godly Jacob is expected to go there. So again, a place for the wicked and a place for the godly. So, you know, that that's important. Psalm 88.3, David expects to go there. Psalm 89.48, all men will go to Sheol. Psalm 49.15, but God will redeem my, my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Selah, meaning pause and think. That's David. So David recognizes that I'm going to this place, but I also know that this is not my permanent abode. So let me give you a, a, a tremendous scripture that Jesus gave, and it's a wonderful example. It's not a, um, a proverb, uh, not a proverb, I'm sorry, a, a parable the way uh, he, he would normally do this. And the reason I say this, it's very specific because he mentions the man's name being Lazarus. The parables, he does not mention their names. So this is, this is a real place. Um, uh, I am citing Luke sixteen nineteen through 31. Now there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, enjoying himself in splendor every day. And then there was a poor man named Lazarus, who was laid at the gate, covered with sores, longing to be fed from the scraps which fell from the rich man's table. Not only that, the dogs were coming, and they were licking his sores. So this is, you know, a, a clear description of a rich man living in opulence, satisfied, and then the, the poor trials and, and uh, situations that Lazarus is going through. Now it happened that the poor man died, meaning Lazarus. He was carried away by the angels into Abraham's arms. And the rich man also died, was buried. And in Hades, he raised his eyes. He was being in torment. And he saw Abraham far away. And he saw Lazarus in his arms. He cries out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water to cool off my tongue. For I am in agony in this flame. Abraham says, child, remember that during your life you received good things and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he is being comforted here and you are in agony. And beside all this, between us is a great chasm which has been set so that those who want to go from here to you will not be able, nor will any be able to be crossed from here to us. So think of it as, as a river and you're on two different banks of the river. So they can see each other, and one of the sides of the banks of the river is in torment, and the other one, what I would call paradise. And, and this is exactly what Jesus is describing. They can see each other, but they can't go back and forth. And again, it's so bad that um, Laz, um, the rich man is asking to just for the tip of a drop of water in his tongue. That's how much agony he's in. Um, and then it closes with, he said, the, then I request of you, father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers in order that they may warn them, for they will come, not come to this place, as tor they will come to this place of torment as well. But Abraham says, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. But he said, no, father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. 
But he said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. So here you have Lazarus, I'm, the, I'm sorry, the, the rich man in this agony, in this uh, Sheol Hades. He's, he's so concerned. He's like, my, my brothers, my family, I know them. They're going to wind up here. I don't want to. Please warn them. And, you know, that's, that's really indicative of today. You know, people will go about life and, and just not care, not think about it, and think everything's going to be okay because, you know, maybe they think they're a good person and that's all that they need to do. But that's not the case. And so basically, you know, the, the word here is that um, the scriptures have been laid out, the, the prophets have spoken, uh, you know, and there's people all around the world today ministering the gospel, ministering the word of God in every language. Uh, so, you know, the opportunities are there. It's really a matter of what we do with our free will. Is it yes or no? What's important here to remember is this is not, this is before Jesus' uh, crucifixion and resurrection. This is not the place you go to today if if you are a believer in Christ. And the reason I say that is, uh, I'm going to give you just a couple of small scriptures, of, but there's there's so many. But 2 Corinthians 5, 8, uh, this is the Apostle Paul. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So he recognizes, and it also, Scripture says, uh, to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. So if you're not here, if you've died, and you're a believer, you're in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus, I'm telling you, is not in Sheol and Hades. He is in, in heaven with the Father. Rest on that. I'm going to give you another example. Acts 7.55, Stephen, as he's being stoned to death, he's full of the Holy Spirit. He looks up to heaven and he sees the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. So Jesus is in heaven. He's standing at the right hand of the Father and we go to be with Jesus when we die. We're, we're in the presence of Jesus. That means we've gone up to the third heaven. We've gone up to what I would call uh, paradise in heaven. So what I described to you today was Sheol Hades, which was Old Testament, um, but it is a place where uh, um, non-believers will go today. So if you do not believe in the Lord, you're going to go to that place of torment, even though it's temporary. Uh, your eternal destination is probably far worse. So let me give you a couple more examples of, of these different locations. Uh, Revelation 19, 19 through 21. And this is the example at the, at the end of uh, um, uh, the tribulation, the beginning of the second coming with Jesus. Um, and it says, and I've got the yellow highlight if you're following this on video, but the beast was captured and with it the false prophet. The beast is the Antichrist. Uh, and the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf, with these signs he had deluded those who received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. In the green highlight. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse. So right away here at the beginning uh, 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 of judgment, I'll, I'll, I'll say, and there's several stages to this, but the, the, the beast, which is the Antichrist and the false prophet, are thrown into the lake of fire. That's their permanent destination. That is not the immediate destination for Satan, however. So to the right, I'm citing Revelation 21 through 3. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, the abyss of Tartarus, that's in the earth, and holding in its hand a great chain. 
he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss, locked and sealed it over him to keep him from de deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. So this is the place in the abyss. This is where the fallen angels are today. And this is where Satan is put in at the end of the tribulation and will be held for most of the uh, uh, millennium, which is, which is to come. So again, there, there's the examples of them. Here you've got the three main characters in the tribulation, which is uh, the Antichrist, the beast, and the false prophet. They're thrown into the lake of fire, but Satan is put into the abyss. I can't obviously get into all the reasoning and the logic behind the Lord, just trusting his judgment. But that, So that's, that's what happens. So at the end of this, it's who enters into the millennium. So Jesus has come back. He's, he's assigned the false prophet and, and, and the beast into the lake of fire. Satan is, is in the abyss. And, you know, many people know the scripture. It's Matthew 25, 31 through 46. It's the judgment of the nations. It's where Jesus separates the sheep from the goat. Um, and so this happens, and it's really who is going to come into the millennium with him. Uh, you know, we have all the believers from the past, as well as there'll be believers on earth when he comes, they will enter into the, into the millennium. And then he judges uh, what's called the goats and they will go into, uh, um, they will go into the abyss, uh, uh, that, that, that temporary lake of fire, if you will, because the final judgment, which is called the great white throne judgment does not happen until after the millennium before we enter into eternity. Uh, so, you know, again, you can read this scripture, but it's, it's pretty famous, you know, and it talks about, um, you know, how the, the, the people of the Lord have, have blessed him because uh, they, fed, they, they fed the hungry, they gave the thirsty something to drink, they invited the stranger in, they clothed the, the poor, they looked after the sick. And, and a lot of this is pointing to what you did for the people of Israel. Because he says in the end here, the king will reply, meaning Jesus, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So this is you know side note, uh, speaking to G Jewish believers as well. Um, so this is, again, separating the sheep from the goat, where they're going to go, where that destination is. The millennium. I'm just going to briefly touch on this. I, I, I went into this at great lengths in, a, in another series when we covered Revelation. Um, but it's very, very clear. There's a thousand-year period, and we're coming near the end of it. As we come near the end of the 6,000 years, then there's the thousand-year reign with Jesus. There's, so when Jesus returns, there's a 75-day interval before the millennium begins. That's explained in Daniel 12, 11 through 13. I've explained this before. But what I want to just mention briefly is for those of you who may not know much about the millennium or, or, or you know, you've not heard a lot about it. And I recognize it's not something that's popular or, or it's something that's often talked about, I should say. But this is the culminating aspect of world history. This is the precursor to all of eternity. The words in Revelation 21.7 illuminates Christ establishing his kingdom and reign for 1,000 years after his second coming. During this time, Christ will be the focus of all creation. 
He will be ruling visibly here on earth for the entire world in power, great glory, righteousness, and peace. And, and, I, and I point out here, so many scriptures talk about these events, talk about these thousand years. You know, Zechariah says, the Lord will be king over the whole earth. On that day, there will be one Lord, and his name is the only name. I cite a whole bunch of scriptures that reference this millennium. Psalm 269, Revelations 20, Isaiah, Micah, Joel, Amos, 1 Corinthians, Mark, Luke, Jeremiah, Daniel, Zephaniah, Ezekiel. There's so much out there that details who enters the millennium, what they're going to be doing, and why, and what key events happen. Um, where Christ will sit on the throne of David. The millennial temple will be established in Jerusalem. There will be the removal of the curse. Satan is bound for a thousand years. And at the end of the thousand years, Satan comes back for a short period of time. There's some reasoning behind that. I, and again, I've covered that in, in other areas. Um, some of this stuff is will be coming soon on, on podcast. Uh, I did this in some, in some other studies. But at the culmination of the end of the millennium is what's called the Great White Throne Judgment. This is, this is the final judgment. This is where everybody winds up for eternity. And, and again, following this, we enter into the New Jerusalem, uh, which is, I, 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 I can't even describe how beautiful that is. It's, it's beyond words what I think. Um, but anyway, so let's go into the Great White Throne Judgment just briefly. I have here on the video, if you're watching, for the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. That's John 5, 22. Um, I'm going to, uh, to the right of this graph that I'm showing you here. So there's a graph, if, if you're listening on podcast, there's the great white throne and there's you in, in, in approaching the throne. And the things that are, uh, ha are relevant to man are, are you in the Sheol Hades? Are you in the great fire uh, or that lake of torment? Um, is your name written in the book of life? Uh, we're going to get into man's uh, uh, book of man's works. So th this is the final destination. This is the final judgment. And all mankind, every man and woman and child will go through this. Um, children is another subject, I'm going to say, up into a certain age before you are being responsible. And I'm going to say that age is probably around 13. And the reason I, I, I reference that is, um, you know, I, 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 I think of, you know, young Jewish uh, boys and girls, and that's kind of when, where, they, where they enter into their first stage of adulthood. Um, but Revelations 21, 27 says, but nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false but only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So the Lamb's Book of Life, either your name is in it or it's not. And if it's not, I don't even want to think about it. I mean, that's, you, you, <laughs> please consider it if you haven't. Um, I'm going to point now to the, to the right-hand section. Uh, judgment before the great white throne. And this is Revelation. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence in the earth and the sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the, this is John speaking, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. 
and the sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. So a lot of people like to say, I'm a good person, so you know, I'm, I'm getting to heaven, and, and that's it, or hell, you know, whatever. Uh, there's going to be, the way I interpret this, is there will be degrees or levels of hell um, based upon what you did. So maybe the judgment, if you're a Idi Amin or an Adolf Hitler, is obviously gonna, going to be different. But you are judged. But if you, the main thing is, if you're not found in the Lamb's Book of Life, uh, then you're judged. Your, your, your final destination is the lake of fire. Um, it goes on to say, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. So picture what we saw, death and Hades coming out of the middle of the earth and thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So now anybody who's a non-believer, uh, you're going to be keeping company with the beast, the false prophet, and many others, and the fallen angels. And this is Satan's final exit. And it says in Revelations 20.10, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet have been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So th that's it. I mean, you know, it, it, it's that simple. So uh, th this is the places that, that where the dead are today, where they're going, and this has everything to do with where we're going to go in our final section, showing you exactly what Jesus did, and boy, it's going to blow you away. It's, it's so incredibly awesome. Um, so, you know, please, uh, you know, join us in, in, in the next podcast that, as, as we examine exactly what happened. Uh, this has been, you know, my, my, my pleasure. I want to thank you for joining us. If you took the time to listen, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for your time. Again, if you like this, you know, we'd love to have you join our email list and, and, you know, see us out on the social media sites where Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and all of the podcast uh, uh, platforms. We're all there. So please hit the like button, subscribe. We'd love to have you. Uh, and if you're on our email list, we're, we don't do anything with it other than inform you about topics and subjects and videos or audios or media or things that are coming up in the news that are relevant that you might want to know about. So let me close by thanking you again. Uh, this is the Russick Outlook. If you have any questions or comments, email me at russickoutlook at gmail.com. And if you have a prayer request or requests, plural, I am happy to pray with you and get an agreement with you. Uh, I, I, that's probably the most important thing. So again, I want to thank you for joining us. Please see us on the next Russick Outlook podcast. I look forward to it. God bless you. And remember, as always, just my opinion. <laughs>